This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Please welcome Drew Barrymore. and your presence and your time. This is gonna be an awesome show, something I've really been looking forward to because we are celebrating siblings. And I love siblings. I actually don't even have a sibling, which is why I think I'm so obsessed with them. Um, because I'm lucky I have two daughters. And so those are the central siblings in my universe. And I love celebrating them. And uh, so this show is about celebrating siblings, something very near and dear to my heart. And first up, when Donny Osmond was here, he opened up about singing with his sister Marie and childhood stardom and so much more. I mean, really, it was a very profound conversation. You think about all these famous singers, you know, he was like one of the biggest. And I really got to have an incredible conversation with him about what that rare life is like. So take a look. You have experienced something most people never will. In 1971, you released your first solo hit, Correct. Sweet and Innocent. Yeah. And you're all of a sudden on your own. You're not with your family as much. You're front and center. Yes. It's all for you, as Andy says. What was that like? That was hard. It was, it's actually, I'm gonna use a, a word that you probably will be confused at, and that was embarrassing. Because the brothers had started this whole thing, and I joined as an afterthought. And they kept pushing me forward. I didn't want, I was really a shy kid. I didn't want to be pushed forward, and it was, it was a little embarrassing. Is it? that you're thinking, oh God, please, I don't do this to my family dynamic. I want to be equal to everyone. I don't want to make this an issue within our family. And that's exactly what these applause are doing. Or is it like, what was the feeling? Well, very cool question. Uh, yes, to a certain extent, but on the other side, I was having a blast. All these girls screaming your name. It's like, what guy wouldn't want that, you know? <laughs> it's like, I mean, think about that. I mean, look at that. They're, they're chasing, they're trying to get through the cops and the barriers to get to me. It's like, yes, I love this life. Okay, so this leads me to the point where most people will never experience this. It's Mania. There is a famous story, actually, that really grabbed my attention when you went to Heathrow Airport. The fans came in such droves 
that I have chills all over my body right now telling the story, that the balcony broke under the weight of the fans. And they wouldn't let you fly into Heathrow anymore? I was banned from Heathrow. <laughs> yeah, they said, okay, if Donny Osmond's on the plane, it's not landing in Heathrow. And they made you go to Scotland and we take a train. We went to Scotland and sometimes we went, and we took a train, a secret train, and that's how I got into London. Okay, what is it like to live inside the body and the mind of literally Beatlemania? Like Pretty darn cool. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I know that's how I feel like there's so much in my life I wouldn't trade for a thing. It was, there was one time I was sitting in, in the hotel room with my brother Alan and we were watching this, uh, this the show. There were three people. There was uh, the, the, the MC of the show the host of the show, excuse me, uh, a member of Scotland Yard mm -hmm. and a child psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And the discussion that they were having is Donny Osmond healthy for our children in this country? And my brother, Alan, looked at me, he said, you remember this moment, which I have, I'll never forget it. You remember this moment because this is so darn cool. <laughs> <laughs> and it really was. Um, I mean, Let's talk about, you know, 1979. You know, what was that decade like for you? Because there was some really crazy things that happened. 79 to 89, from a, prof from a professional point of view, were the dark years. Because I had lost my career. From a personal point of view, I couldn't have been happier because I got married in 78. I finally found the love of my life. I could spend the rest of the, the show just talking about how she saved me. I dated her secretly for three and a half years because I didn't want Tiger Beat to find out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then once the news got out that I got married, uh, and maybe some of you did this. I won't hold it against <laughs> you. But they, fans literally had Donny Osmond record burning parties. And, and sent the most scathing letters to Debbie. And she's just a sweet little girl from Billings, Montana. She is the most amazing woman and saved my life, really, because uh, I was going through some really dark times. It took me about 10 years before um, things started kicking back in again, because that's when Soldier of Love hit in, in 89. But I had tried Broadway in a show called Little Johnny Jones, and we opened and closed the same night. That hurts. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't get a record deal. Um, uh, I couldn't even get arrested. I, I mean, it was, I couldn't do anything. I, it was, it was, everything was gone. You get married, the fans abandon. Yeah. When you got married, how did you know to lean into your wife instead of saying you're the root cause of this? How did you know to lean in with family and see the reality of what was happening rather than turn it on them? Okay. <clears throat> because of what state I was in prior to getting married to her. Um, there was a concert that I did in Hawaii and uh, the place was packed, uh, thousands and thousands of people screaming. And I went back to our condo. We had a condo there at the time. And I found a little corner in, the room, in that condo and I rolled myself up into a ball and started crying my eyes out uncontrollably. And my brother Jay walks in and he sees me. He said, Donnie, what's wrong? And I said, Jay, I'm lonely. I'm just lonely. He said, Donnie. 20,000 girls were just screaming your name. How could you be lonely? I said, I don't know, but I'm lonely. I was in such a 
dis desperate place that Debbie pulled me out of it. And whenever I make a decision in my life, the first thing I think about is her. How does it affect her? And then the second, how does it affect my children? And the third now is how does it affect my grandchildren? Then I'm fourth. If all, all four of those are a green light, then I'll do it. And I think that's what's really helped this 43-year marriage is that she comes first. But I love what I do. It's not, I mean, the, the applause and everything. When I walked out and everybody was just applauding and everything, the love that ensued is just, it's euphoric. And here's the problem. If I depended on that all the time, then my downs would be really down. Yep. So what I do, and people make fun of me for it because I go home, I'll mow my grass, I'll take my garbage out, I'll do the domestic things that, you know, I could have somebody do all that for me, but I do that because it's down to balancing. I look at uh, my, my friend, I, Michael Jackson and I had a great relationship. We would laugh, we'd call each other on the phone and we'd laugh about the similarities of our families and the difference. The last time I spoke with him, he said, I just need some normalcy in my life. I said, come to my home. Let your kids swim with my kids. No one will know you're there. He said, I think I need to do that. And he never took me up on it the last time I spoke with him. So looking at that and all the other celebrities and peers and whatever colleagues that have influenced my life and I've been around, I see so many people have lost it because they don't know how to balance. Yep. I love the adulation. I love the standing ovations at the end of a show. I love that. I eat it up and it's a drug and I need it. <laughs> but I also need to go home and be a father and a husband and a grandpa. You know, sometimes we can feel sorry for ourselves. I've been dealt such a bad hand of cards. Why God, why? We'll do something about it. Play those cards. Play those cards. You know, do something with your life. Don't constantly feel sorry for yourself. I mean, and I have. I, I've sat back and I'm guilty of it too. So why, why, why? Uh, and, and then you just say, give me the strength to just play these cards and make something of my life. I so agree with that. All right. You, you, uh, you had Donnie and Marie. I mean, first of all, let's just talk about the first show. That's why Donnie uh -huh. and Marie. Oh, Marie. oh yeah, Marie, Marie, that's right. I mean, that show was just so major for yeah. everybody. We had so much fun. I mean, what was that like? We had no idea how much work we were getting into. And uh, because we were doing like, as far as music is concerned, an album a week, uh -huh. let alone the comedy and, and the performances. And it was just overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But we, we were young and we had this stamina. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was interesting though, because uh, after it, it was all over, after four seasons, I ended up with this image of being the silly guy. It was the Sonny Bono. It was the, you know, the guy that got the, uh, the, the pie in the face. I can't hit. relate at all. <laughs> That's true. So, and it, it left me with that image and everybody put me in that pigeonhole, just like they put you in a pigeonhole. Um, and it takes a lot of work to get out of the pigeonhole. But then, you know, it's really interesting. And I've noticed this just in the last maybe 10, 15 years is that and maybe age does it. But I've looked back and I've embraced the pigeonhole. In fact, in my Vegas show, do you know what I sing legitimately without making fun of it? Puppy love. Mm -hmm. 
I, I, the, it starts, dun, 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 the intro, and then I just sing it without you know, any jokes. Even when I say, someone help me, help me. I don't, used to, I used to make jokes of it. Okay, all the guys are throwing up now. Oh, no, sing it right. Yeah. Respect it. Yes. Yes it, yes, it left me with a little bit of a, you know, the goody-goody image, the Marie, Donnie Marie show. But you know what? It was huge. It was great for the time. I've embraced it. Uh, the memories of working with my sister. Yes, there were times that were difficult, but I loved working with her. It's the only word I can call it is magic. There's a magic between the two of us that when we're both on stage together, something clicks. Well, when we come back, it's Marie Osmond's turn. So don't go anywhere because she has an amazing conversation. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back from Donnie to Marie. Well, Marie is truly a remarkable woman, and I was blown away by her strength and her vulnerability. Our conversation took a surprising turn, um, and... Uh, I was really here for it. I'm very excited to share it with you. Take a look. I'm so excited to talk I to you today. You, you know, Drew, we are, you and I have so many similarities and there's not many people who can relate to the life that we've had. Um, you know, even, even all the things that we've been through. So this is super fun for me to be able to talk to you. Are you kidding? No, you started performing when you were three. Right. I was introduced as the youngest Osmond brother. Literally? Yeah. It was on Andy Williams. We, we all kind of got our, our, you know, shot from Andy. Uh, but, you know, it's so interesting, you know, very much like I have never not worked a, a, a year of, of my life since then. I've worked consistently, uh, whether it was singing, uh, you know, in Sweden and performing there or doing Japanese commercials or, you know, whatever it was. Uh, and I had my my first hit record. I recorded at 12 and a half Paper Roses and uh, at 14 and a half did the pilot for Donnie and Marie, the uh, the original variety show. And so and I have never stopped since. And I'm so I feel so blessed. <laughs> oh, my God, I love you. <laughs> I really, really do. And. There's a couple aspects about motherhood that also really was important for me and I got excited about talking to you about. I would love to start with your mother and ask about how she kept you guys level-headed. She, you know, okay, it's like for example, uh, Donnie and Marie, okay? I was, uh, I believe I was around 16 years old 
And I had come home and you know, you put hours in. I was doing 15 hours a day, six days a week, sometimes 18 hours, uh, working through the child welfare laws and going to school and learning 350 pages of script in two and a half days. And I remember one time I came home and it was the next day was the taping. I said, mom, I'm so tired. I, I have to get to sleep so that I look good on camera. And she goes, well, you haven't done your chores. And I said, hello, like, you know, our show is dubbed into 17 languages worldwide. And I'm like, you know, Marie Osmond. And <laughs> she, that was the worst thing I ever could have said. Cause she goes, oh, 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 I see. So now you're going to do your chores and the toilets. And if you make another word uh, uh, complaining, I have a lot more for you to do. Uh, and she said, because you have to realize that's a job. Jobs will come and go. This is reality. This is what will always be here. Now get to work. And Drew, throughout my life, this woman, <laughs> she said, I'd come home and she'd say, okay, now we're going to learn to make bread. Now we're going to learn to make clothing. And I would like, mom, I have designers and people that, so she goes, exactly. That's why you're going to learn to do it. And um, she just, I mean, she taught me how to gut a fish in case I was camping and I needed to cook it. This woman taught me reality. My mom told me when she goes, I don't care if you hate me. If you do, that means I'm doing a good job. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I couldn't agree more. And um, something else that has to do with mothers um, that I really loved about your story was when I had kids of my own, I felt like, oh my God, I don't wanna to pretend to be other people. My kids need me. Those 18 hour days uh, no longer seem like a good idea for me right now. I've been doing them my whole life. So it was, I had a luxury of saying, I'm ready to prioritize my children over work. Um, right. But then I had to earn a living, so I had to figure stuff out. But I wanted to find something that felt like a job that had the hours and being in the same place. Um, a lot of the things that our other jobs did just didn't allow. Uh, the fact that you have prioritized your children, you'll never regret that. I had exactly. to do that with my children too. That's one of the reasons I went to Vegas for 11 years. And that was it, my point, uh, is that you found a job that put your kids first. And when I heard that, it made me feel like I just, it made a lot of sense to me because it made me feel well, less and, alone. You know, hey, I made, I didn't make as much on the road when I was doing all my country, uh, my country touring because I took all my kids with me and I have eight. And so, uh, you know, it's not, it's not great for airplane tickets and costs, but I did it because I love my children. Also, I was the only breadwinner. Long story short, now my oldest is, uh, she just turned 19 and she's in, she's out of the home. So it's just me and my husband. By the way, I remarried my first husband. And so it's like honeymoon all over again. And, uh, but now I'm, I wanna go back out on the road. I'm actually getting ready to do a big symphonic tour. I just did an album, a 17 song album. Now your latest album um, is Unexpected. Uh, that is the title that is beautiful, by the way. Um, that's that I- I have a child calling me on my phone, hold on. <laughs> Okay, turn it off. There we go. Um, I, I, I so feel you right now. I always keep it there in case they need me. And I'll go, are you okay? Yes, okay, I'll call you back. Uh, well, that's depressing. But anyway, I was in Vegas and my son called me. And I, I hit, I'll talk to you later. And then I never did. So, sorry. No, I... Um, I so it's something that is very important to me. Uh, to always have my phone on for my children. I'm so sorry that that happened. No, 
you know what? It's uh, it's one of those things that you go through. Uh, I lost my son. Um, he was 18. And I'm really good. I'm okay. It's just every now and then, you know, people say, do you ever get over it? No, you never do. Um, but God gives you respites and that's, you hit triggers. That just happened to be a trigger. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I, I totally understand. Yeah. Um, I really do. Our lives are full of triggers and they come up at the most unexpected times. speaking of the exactly. title. Can I ask if it's possible to ask you a piece of life advice that when something does throw you I know and rock your world like it just did, how beautifully you just handled it. And there's people out there. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering if you have any life advice for how one might be able to handle a trigger. Oh, well, I, I think that God never gives you anything that you can't handle. I don't know that God gives them to you, but I know that people have agency to make choices that affect you. And I believe that um, when life is too much to stand, I get on my knees and I beg. And uh, I just know somehow he gives you that comfort with my son you know, a lot of people judged me very harshly that I went back to work. Uh, you understand that, Drew. You know, you're, you're kind of, you do everything on a national level instead of a private level uh, within your community or whatever. But um, I had to choose to go back to work because I had seven more children that were hurting and they needed to know that you had to keep living life. And so, and I felt that was... Uh, something that I wanted to do for them, despite what people were saying. Thank you. I'm very, very grateful for your answer and your candor, and I agree with the fight. <laughs> well, never a dull moment with the Osmond siblings, um, but it's who they are as people, good people, Donnie and Marie, more than just a brother and sister you know, act uh, really, really great people. So come back if you wanna see some more amazing siblings. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move, or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now... New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome back to our sibling celebration. Now, when Amy and David Sedaris stopped by, it was a historic occasion because guess what, you guys? They had never been on a television show together before. 
I know, isn't that crazy? Two icons from the same family here for the first time. Take a look. I would love to ask you both, uh, all the neighborhood kids that you grew up with wanted to come to your house and play with you and your sisters. They wanted to be in your productions, so to speak. Yeah. And you guys kind of like stayed amongst yourselves. <laughs> yeah, like it was elite. You wouldn't let people in so much? No, we just didn't need them. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, there were six kids in the family, so right. we don't really need other people. And right. if you're gonna. Well, you know, you don't. Right. And like, what role did you guys take on? Was there like someone who was more passive or more humorous? Or I mean, you guys are both so funny, obviously. I think we were always playing. We're six kids in the family, don't you think? We were always yeah. playing, always creating, you know, playing house. You know, we had an imaginary cooking show. You know, it was kind of inspired by The Price is Right. The you best. know, watching, we, well, we would play Price is Right. We have to, I love guessing how much anything costs. Me too! To this day, it's my okay, favorite. Okay, but just last night, I said to somebody, I've been wearing this, I'm on this lecture tour, and I've been wearing this coat. It's a black sport coat with layers of ruffles coming from the bottom. Mm -hmm. I said to a woman last night, how much did this cost? She said, $200. Oh. I said the tax was more than $200. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yeah, she, did, she went way too under. She went way too under. <laughs> I can't do that. Sales tax was too under. Yeah. <laughs> now, may I ask how we have the esteemed privilege of having you guys together for the first time? Because you're so synonymous in my mind. I fell in love with you individually. But how come you haven't done a show together? We were just talking about that. I We've don't never know. never been in TV. surgery together. Either. In surgery? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Amy's really good on TV. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you, the, you know, host call her at the last minute because someone backs out and she's like, sure, I'll go. Where I, it's just, I'm not an actor and it's not so much my thing. You know, I mm -hmm. mean, I'll, 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 I never felt envious of somebody because they were going on TV. I love the way that you guys speak about each other. Like, you talk about, like the love of one of his books being released or the way that you speak about him that I've read is just, it's so loving and ad admiring. Um, will you look at your brother and tell him what you admire or, and love about would him? would never do that, oh my God. We buy each other's gifts so we don't have to say it. You yeah, know we would I mean? never, ever, we, that's one thing. Like, when sometimes I hear people on the phone, I love you, I love you. I've never, I've, I don't think I've ever said that Maybe to you. now is the time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. No, we, we show it yeah, we show with it. gifts. Yeah. I mean, I think the best times that we share or just shopping, that's really all we care about. But sometimes shopping. I'll overhear him talking to the lady at the cash register and he's telling her that he's a doctor, that he operates on children's eyes, <laughs> and that he removes the eyeball and replaces them with buttons. And I'm like, we gotta go, David. Okay, okay. Yeah. Why do you do... happen to overhear it? Yeah. Why do you do that? No, because my initials are DR. And they say, well, Dr. Sedaris, and then I just, I don't know. I, you just go with it. I always wanted to be a doctor, and then I think, yeah, and what kind of a doctor are you? I operate on children's eyes. <laughs> uh, I, it just came yeah. to me. Okay, so you express your love through presence. <laughs> what, I mean, I've always wished I had a sibling. I really did. I, I was just like, I can't believe my cuckoo bird parents put me here on this planet 
like all by myself. Like, why didn't you at least leave me with somebody <laughs> to share this nutso experience with? <laughs> so I've had two daughters, so they could look at each other for the nutso hmm. experience. And I know, is it true what my imagination or projection is that you'll be seeing the same thing at the same time, but through completely different lenses or different perspectives? Uh, well, and there's six kids in my family, and I think you could tell we're all related. You know, sure, we have the same spirit, like yeah. I'd say. It's not the exact same sense of humor or the same taste, but yeah, it's the same spirit. But I, I often feel like people with big families, you could always tell when you're talking. Mm -hmm. But I feel like when there's a lot of kids, you, 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 you learn things. Like, I, I mean, I've seen people like this with only children. And then the kid will say, in class today, the teacher asked Marcus, <laughs> do you have any potato chips? And he said, what? And she said, do you have any potato chips? And he said, what? My mother would say, cut the <laughs> Like, what are you wasting my time with that dialogue that's not going anywhere for? So yeah, the yeah, six yeah. kids. You have to hone it. Yeah, you got to get in there. Yeah, somebody you else is be... faltering. You move right in there. Right, you got to be quick. Talk fast, think but, fast. And you learn to do that yeah. because, and I think that's really important. Also, I feel so sorry for people who are only children. That's too much parental attention. <laughs> I mean, I wanna make sure that I hit your new book, A Carnival of Snackery, which is your diaries. I mean, I've read everything that you've ever written multiple oh, times. Thank you. And I was just enjoying this so much. And I wanted to ask, because I, 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 I have a really sick sense of humor, and yet I tread light in life, you know? Like I'm so worried to rock someone's boat or mm. offend or upset them. How do you put it all out there like you do? I just love it. But I, I mean, I'm not a mean person. No! But, but I mean now But you're I feel, brave. But now people get angry if you think something, right? Like if you think, but you can't tell me that every, you know, like, let's say if somebody is, I don't know, at Starbucks, right? And then they're ordering a liquid candy bar, right? And then, <laughs> and, you know, like one of those complicated drinks, and then they, this, they want to pay this way, and then they change their mind, and they want to pay this way, and then their phone rings, and they get on the phone. I mean, you can't convince me that everyone in that line doesn't wish there was a trap door <laughs> that would open up, yeah. and there would be... And then it would leave, it would drop down like 20 feet and there would be spikes. Like this would be, <laughs> it would be death at the end of the, but, but to think it, I see nothing wrong with thinking it. I, to say to that person, you need to die. I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. And I wouldn't like the person who would say that, but right. it's fine to think it. Oh, right. God bless you for That's it. That's the fun part, at least you can, right? Just to fantasize about ways people can die. <laughs> have a question um, for you. Would you please take it away, Alice and Alicia? You and Amy were to ever write a book together. What would you call it? Yeah. Um, I did all the work. And you would. And it would be called, it's never gonna happen. <laughs> By Amy and David Sidek. If you were to write a book about David, what would it be called? It'd be, I hope you like short stories. It would be short, <laughs> pamphlet size. It would be a scrambler. You know, we have to find the word. 
And then what would that word be? Gay, 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 gay. So it'd be like a five. <laughs> it really is wild how much talent can be in one family. I mean, two geniuses who have brought so much love, light, and humor into the world. Okay, we'll be right back with more amazing subjects. If you're constantly on the hunt for a good deal, then you need Rakuten. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop because members get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, traveling, dining, and more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores. Why not save while you're doing it? It's a no-brainer. Get the Rakuten app now and join the 17 million members who are already saving. Cashback rates change daily. See Rakuten.com for details. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Your cash back really adds up. Incoming bonus content. I remember Fever Pitch story. I remember you literally hurting your back falling off the Green Monster. I did. In Boston. You came down, it's in the movie, you went, landed and you went like, ah! I landed on my tailbone. Yes. That I had cracked during Charlie's Angels 2. And then you had to run all the way through Fenway Park to me. And you were just so out of breath at the third take. You were like. (laughs) 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 Okay, I remember another story. I remember flying on an airplane. And we were flying to the the, the game. Game seven of the World Series. The Red Sox. And it was in St. Louis. Yep. And I was like, we were terrified, but we were gonna get to shoot on the Fox Sports cameras. The ending of our film, if they won, they were gonna let us run down to home plate and do a 360 kit. Had the cameras, it was a Fox broadcast. Yeah, and we Series. were making a Fox movie. So we said, can we borrow a couple cameras while we're so we we're Because they're like, movies. you can't bring your movie cameras to the game. Yeah, and we said just on one condition, you can't show that Jimmy and Drew are at the game on your broadcast. Because yeah. that won't make any sense. We're making a movie and no one cut to. We're making out on the dugout or something. Which And the aired t- on the World Series. And everyone's like, what? Are they, are they dating? What's going on? Like, oh, and my boyfriend at the time oh didn't God. know. And didn't know we were doing Dude, that. Airing me, he's like, hey, I got a Savvy bunch of great texts. in the strokes and on tour. And I couldn't talk to him because it was, it was before cell phones. Yeah. And I hadn't got to him. And he was like, What's going on? <laughs> and I was like, oh God, it's part of the movie. movie. The best thing ever. We had so much fun. And that was a little bit extra for you. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Next are two brothers who grew up under the bright lights of Hollywood. Um, I was able to talk to them about what it's like to be a child actor. Um, these are incredible bonus moments from our conversations with the one and only Ron and Clint Howard. 
I fell so in love with your family reading this book. I mean, can you talk to me about your dad's process teaching you guys acting? Because I found it one of the most poignant things that's going to change my perspective on any child's performance. Oh. He trusted that even at an early age, a kid could understand the game of, of sort of being a part of something like this on, on, on multiple levels. So we knew it wasn't real. He showed us all of the tricks, but then there's this other thing, magic meets truth, and that's what makes the story. And for us as actors, he taught us to sort of build a bridge from sort of what we understood, our logic, and what the story was about and the logic of that. It's basically it's very simple actor studio stuff. How do you think that your parents balanced like normalcy? Well, boy, you know, both mom and dad came from the Midwest and they had this simple, it, it, was, it was about the work. It was never about fame and fortune and notoriety. Mom and dad were not interested in that. For, for us, it was about, this is what we were. We were little actors and we were prepared. That's one thing that dad insisted on, and he did it in a loving way. But boy, Ron and I were both the most prepared actors when we stepped onto Which a set. Which gave us so much confidence, yeah. you know? The other thing is that they, later I talked to my dad. I said, Dad, after we were grown, everybody knows how you guided Clint and I. So, you know, why, why, don't, why don't you do this? Why don't you start a school? Why don't you, teach, why don't you share your, your methodology? He said, I'm acting, I'm working. I did that because I'm your dad. I didn't do it to be sort of the manager of a couple of kid actors. That wasn't it at all. I did it because I thought you could learn something. And whether you carried on as actors or not, I felt like you could learn how to succeed and how to have that kind of discipline. And you'd use that in any walk of life that you would choose. How is your family so healthy? I, I, we're so lucky. Yeah. I don't know, because they broke the cycles of dysfunction to some extent. Now, my parents didn't come from highly abusive, negative scenarios, but it didn't promise the kind of support and emotional support, support for dreams that they gave to both of us. And I think in their own way, first, their story is a love story. They're the ones with the dream of going into show business. They're, you know, when all of my friends read the book, the thing they're most surprised about is kind of what a kooky, kind of uh, oddball family, I, you know, my parents were, but what a great love story. But they, they went into it because, you know, th they were original thinkers within, you know, they, they, they were those kind of outliers within their family, and we're the beneficiaries of that. I really feel like I have such a beautiful sense of your family, and for anyone who gets to read this book and go on that journey, it is so powerful, so positive, and um, I thank you for allowing us in on this amazing journey. It also is filled with so much infamous history um, of entertainment that I'm sure we all put ourselves in. I mean, your movies and television shows have colored all of our lives. I'm just looking at you guys as two humans, but it, what you guys ended up producing, you know, through your work is life-changing for all of us. So I'm gonna throw it to Alice. Um, you have a question. Um, for uh, Ron and Clint. Yes. Our beautiful co-hosts, yes. Alice and Alicia. My sister and I work together. Mm -hmm. And um, has it ever been difficult mixing family and work? And if, how, how, does, how do you work that out? 
What's it like when I'm directing you in a, in a, in a movie? Well, I learned my lesson early on. There, <laughs> well, you know, I was in my probably early 20s, and, and yet I had to learn that, you know, ultimately, he's the boss, he's making the decisions, and it was specifically on Cocoon. Mm -hmm. I remember specifically on Cocoon, Ron sort of said, you know, I'm making this call. You know, and listen, through dad, I understood. You know, there's, first of all, I love my brother. He's a great older brother. He's a Hall of Fame movie director. He's a much. Guys, folks, he's a better big brother than he is a movie director. Oh my God, then he must be the best big brother ever. <laughs> well, I tell you, so, so the lessons learned, I love the collaboration. One thing is, we have an ability to communicate that doesn't really involve speaking to each other. I'm sure you guys understand that. Yeah. Uh, and I when, I, when I do have the opportunity to direct Clint, it's always a joy because, by the way, he's highly professional. He can do just about anything. He's very flexible. He's additive. He's creative. All these things that you want. But he also will tell me the truth. And he's smart about films. And, and he knows what I'm looking for. And I trust his taste. So he's additive in a lot of ways. I'm an unofficial member of the Howard family. What a beautiful, beautiful group. And it is just such an amazing gift to hear about their lives. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. And we will be right back. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. My trusty co-pilot, Ross Matthews, brought his brother Eric to the show to surprise him with a very special question. I was shocked, delighted, and honored to be a fly on the wall in this moment. Take a look. We are celebrating siblings all day, and uh, while you're my news brother from another mother, your actual brother is here, Rossi. Yeah, everyone, my brother right here. Good to see you. It's so good to see you. Look, everyone, that's what I'd look like if I was straight. <laughs> <laughs> My brother got on a plane and flew all the way here from California just to be on our sibling show with all of you. Eric, thank you for coming here. I love it. Thank you. The best. <laughs> okay, Ross, your story. Wedding site One Fab Day tackled this interesting question. Do I need to have my brother as my best man? The, well, Spieler <laughs> said, no. Well, the answer is short. This author says, no, not unless you want to. If your brother isn't the right fit, there are plenty other jobs at the wedding. Ring bearer, uh, flower boy, I don't know. Ketuba signer. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Your perfect best man should be whoever makes you feel the most comfortable and supported. And that being said, Oh. 
Eric. I will be your flower boy, no. yes I will. Eric, I wanted to ask you, in front of everybody, you know we are planning our wedding right now. I do. Wellington and I have discussed it. Drew, kindly let me come on the show so I could ask you in front of the world, will you be my best man? <sighs> Absolutely. Thank you. I'd be honored to. My he God. So lucky to be actually going to that very wedding, but boy, was it just an honor to watch him ask him to be his best man. We'll be right back. That is it for our hour of celebrating siblings. And for those of us who are lucky enough to be in a dynamic of siblings, well then we just get to carry on the joy of that. Um, but most importantly, I thank you so much for choosing to spend your time with us because your time is important. And it means a lot that you would choose to spend it with us. Because you know what? We make this show for you. So guess what? Take it with you. numbers but you already knew that if you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car use kelly blue book my wallet on auto trader they're really good at numbers auto trader